Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Continuing our series and this particular lesson on your pastors and leaders we will finish this today i'm 100 confident we will finish this today amen in the house of the lord amen we've been looking at this concerning uh, bringing an individual from a place of no uh, base point or reference point concerning god to the church um, bringing them to a place of repentance baptism and filled with the holy ghost going through those things of of maturity and how we know an individual begins to ensure fruits of the spirit things of that nature and uh, pastors and leaders in their lives are just as much as a vital part vital part just of the whole chemistry personality makeup of the church um, the sheep need a shepherd and you wouldn't have a shepherd unless there was sheep and so there is a there's an interdependence there uh, on 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 each and so we're we've been considering that considering the role and the responsibility of uh, pastors and leaders to their flock so to speak and uh, the responsibility of the people or the flock then to their uh, pastors and leaders so ephesians 4 verse 11 and 12 again tells us of some of those some of those roles some of those responsibilities that the lord had given the church he says and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of christ so we need these different voices we need these different roles as a church uh, to to help perfect the saints which of course we're meaning to help mature them to help mature the saints to help them grow and uh, the work of the ministry and the edifying to the body isn't then of course just a pastor or leader's responsibility then that uh, becomes the saints responsibility as well that we edify one another and there's edification that builds up the whole body of believers the body of Christ and uh, there's always plenty of work to do around the church and uh, if it's not physical or, or something that needs fixed or repaired, then there's responsibilities, classes to be taught. There's outreach. There's a varied uh, arms that come from the church that a person can find their placement in in the body. And again, the Lord puts us in these places as he sees fit. Amen. And sees that it's going to function to its best ability whenever he places us there and we give ourselves into it amen so i'm going to pray today we're going to look at this amen yet again in the house of the lord father i love you today oh master i thank you jesus god for a god made day lord that you have given us i pray oh lord touch our hearts and our minds this morning god as we turn our attention once again to your word let your word become alive to us to us collectively individually God, teaching us, Lord, of this synergy, Lord, between the leadership, Lord, that you have ordained in the church, God, and the saints, and this ebb and flow, God, that takes place, Lord, for, God, the success of the church, the body of Christ. Lord, I love you, and I thank you today for it. 
in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Just to overlap just a little bit uh, to get our footing of where we were last week when we left off. We were talking a little bit about uh, the responsibility or the ministry's responsibility to uh, the saints. And in that, we talked about uh, the responsibility of pastoral leadership and leadership in general in the quote-unquote hierarchy of the church was, of course, to teach those that are under their care, to teach them primarily to teach them to observe uh, whatsoever things that the Lord had commanded the leadership uh, to share or to teach. And so we have that responsibility. It's more than just a uh, dissemination of information. It is the responsibility of leadership, hopefully, to somehow bring uh, the people that they are teaching to a place where they would be obedient. Uh, and honor that which is taught by implementing that into their own lives. And so with the things that are taught, of course, is the word of the Lord. We are teaching, as we made mention last week, we're teaching good doctrine. Uh, we're teaching sound doctrine. Uh, we are responsible then for when people uh, put their faith and their belief in the Lord and they are desiring that full remission of sins. We baptize believers in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. Uh, some rows, of course, as a pastoral row, we find ourselves preaching to the flock, which is different than teaching. Teaching is a, a, a explanation of the word, whereas preaching is there's explanation in that, but it's more of a proclaiming. It's a declaration of what is in the word. And so we do that. We take that as a responsibility. Another aspect that uh, maybe is more difficult sometimes to accept as saints or as sheep at times is, is the correction, the reproval, uh, the rebuke uh, aspect uh, that comes with those offices. And again, uh, understand that when this happens or even that uh, the Lord would have this happen, uh, that this is ultimately for our good and for our benefit. And so we are also given the responsibility. Uh, God is so good in his word that he gives us proper balance all throughout Scripture. Uh, he administers grace. We've been studying the book of John on Wednesday. He, he, he came and we beheld uh, the fullness of his glory. We seen the grace and the truth. And so there's a good, a good balance. And we see that oftentimes in his word. If you ever see the Lord talking about judgment, you're at the same time uh, in the same, same passage in collective scripture going to see him talking about his mercy. And so he brings balance to things. And so when we're talking about uh, leadership and sometimes that role providing correction, or reproof, we also then are admonished as leaders uh, to bring exhortation uh, to the flock. And those that comes by the way of, of inspiration and encouragement to continue in their walk and their relationship with the Lord, to motivate, if you will, uh, by zeal uh, and by inspiration, people's everyday walk with the Lord. And so in all this then brings us to where we're starting today. Another aspect of your pastors and leaders uh, in any local assembly is that they are responsible to oversee and uh, in some regards to protect, to protect the flock. The Bible states in Acts chapter 20, in verse number 28, it says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves, the admonition is, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost had made you 
overseers. And so it's vitally important for leaders to pay attention to themselves. And that's not being that's not being arrogant. That's not being prideful. But we got to consider how we live because we're helping instruct others how to live. And so there's got to be consideration for ourselves and also unto our flock, those that uh, that we would lead. As a matter of fact, whenever uh, whenever Jacob in the Old Testament sent out Joseph to go check on his brothers, if you'll remember this, uh, the Bible says that Jacob had Joseph to go check on the brothers, the shepherds, if you will, and their flocks. And so he wanted to report back on those that were leading the flock and those that were the flock themselves. And so both aspects are vitally important. But as ministry, we we must protect, we must guard, we must watch over the flock. And in doing so, uh, as we've looked at at different times through these past, uh, this being the third week, three weeks of being in this lesson, sometimes that leader is as the watchman on the wall with a vantage point that is that is different from just the normal flock and he's able to see things that they can't see and pick up on things that they can't he can then warn the flock warn the church warn the organization concerning dangers or perhaps even spiritual pitfalls that are on the horizon that he may see that is trying to ensnare or entrap uh, some of those that are under his care and so he he's given this position and even this placement for that responsibility and there's something that uh Uh, With that in mind, as a saint or as a sheep among the fold, that we must take in consideration that some of those things that the shepherd or the watchman, all these different terminologies for leadership within the church, some of the things that they set as, as, let's call them fences today, uh, that, that may be boundaries to us, some people might view in a flock sometimes uh, that those are, prohibiting us from doing something or they are squelching our personal freedoms Uh, but in reality we must understand that those things are there those lines are there the old testament scripture speaks of god speaking to moses saying moses set a line along the base of the mount of god and wherever you set the line, the people are not to pass over their sheep, their livestock not to pass over. Because if they do, they are chancing losing their lives. And so it was given the responsibility of Moses to set that line. And then for those that were under his care to respect the line. Uh, to, if I may say it like this, lower the risk of injury. Lower the risk of something bad happening to them. Uh, you might be able to easily say, I crossed the line and nothing happened to me. That's quite possible. Uh, but keeping to the line will lower the risk of anything happening to you in the future. All right. Uh, there's a lot of people out here that we would say defied rules and regulations and got by with it. Uh, but that's not to say if they try the same thing in the future that they'll get by with it, so to speak. And so there's always the exceptions, per se, to the rule. And it's those ones that are the exception that's really bad for everybody else that's kept it. Because then they think that they're just as invincible, so to speak. And they go and then they're caught dead on the opposite side of the line. Speaking. And so uh, those things are set there not not necessarily to prohibit us as much as they are, again, to protect us. Uh, They're keeping out 
the grievous wolves and they're keeping us to getting into territory where grievous wolves may be. And so they're there. Uh, the leadership is there to keep us from danger, to keep us from harm. Uh, Ezekiel told us in Ezekiel 3 and verse 17, these words, uh, the spirit of the Lord came and said, son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. So that's important, right? Uh, we are not uh, some lone ranger. The leadership of the church is not some lone ranger uh, purporting their own agenda. Uh, the Lord spoke to Ezekiel here. He says, hear the word at my mouth. He says, and then give the warning, he says, from me. Now, it's hard to um, separate and isolate the person, the office, from where the message is really coming from. It's very difficult sometimes to, to see the face, see the person, and say, well, that's just so-and-so. No, according to Scripture, they are supposed to be conveying what's been conveyed to them uh, by the Lord. And so if it is a warning, it's a warning, God said, ultimately, that comes from me. And so we're there to oversee, protect the flock. We're, of course, as a shepherd, is responsible to feed the flock, right? Uh, we try to give a well-balanced diet. I don't know what type of calories you're getting this morning, but we're trying to provide a well-balanced diet uh, unto you so that you might be healthy in your spiritual walk, so that you might prosper in your spiritual walk. Um, whenever the Lord was speaking to Peter in the last chapter of the book of John, uh, they had went out going fishing again. Jesus is on the shore. He calls them in. And he goes through this dialogue with Peter where he's asking him, do you love me, Peter? And Peter's like, Lord, you, you know, thou knowest, you know, you're, you're Jesus Christ. And he says, you know that I love you. Well, there came a third time that, that uh, Jesus had asked Peter this, uh, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter said to him, Lord, thou knowest all things. You know, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, he said, then, then feed my sheep. Right. Because Peter has been in this role and responsibility of a fisherman when they have been called. Jesus had even spoken to them. He says, I'm going to make you fisher of men now. Right. And so now that we're we're at that stage that uh, Jesus is going to be going away and he's going to leave the earth. He's saying, you need to feed my sheep, take care of those new believers and those that are come to know me. Feed them and be, be, be purposeful about that. If you think about it in the natural world, we have about 21 meals a week. Right. In excess, if we're going to be honest. <laughs> All right. And so we do this for the purpose of feeding our natural man. And yet just on a spiritual plane, if all you do is come to church and that's the only place you get your nourishment. You have maybe three meals. Right. And so as a leader, it's not just it's just not me feeding on Wednesday and Sunday morning, Sunday night. But it's me encouraging you to pick up the same thing I'm feeding you with on Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night throughout the week. Right. Uh, personal devotion and Bible reading and things of that nature. Uh, Jesus there again with Peter and them. He was on the shore. He called out to his disciples and he told them. I know this is in a very literal sense, but if we can bring spiritual application to it, he told them come and dine. 
And uh, that's the call uh, for us as church leaders today. We need to come and dine, sit at the table, amen, of the word of the Lord, prayer, all these different spiritual disciplines, amen, that will help feed us in our spiritual lives. Hallelujah. And so as we have responsibilities to the saints, now here's the thing, uh, the saint uh, leader relationship is a symbiotic relationship. There's an ebb and flow between the two. It's beneficial to both. And so no doubt as, as we're trying to, to be responsible to you, there is a certain amount of responsibility that the saints responsibility is to the ministry as well. Each saint and collectively have a responsibility to the ministry in which God has placed him or her. And primarily that is this, as we have read in several of the scriptures in Romans, uh, I believe it was, and also in Hebrews, that we should, as saints, obey and submit ourselves into the ministry that the Lord has placed in our life. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 and verse 17, that opening phrase there, it says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Folks, a lot is revealed about a person when they read that phrase, how they, that makes them feel and respond in the moment. In reality, uh, if you're offended by those first few opening words, then that tells a lot about the character of the individual in the moment. Or if you feel, if you feel refreshed, hopeful, uh, satisfied, glad, about those opening words, then that reveals something as well. And the Bible says, obey them and have rule over you and submit yourselves. And it tells us why if you continue on, because the Bible says they or the ruler that, 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 that is over you, that leadership, they watch for your souls. They watch for your souls. And so I, I've expressed to this congregation this, uh, before, but I wish to express it again. As an individual, as a saint of God, we have a very particular place, and that is this. We have somebody that watches for our souls and that will give an account for us according to the word of the Lord. We want to pray that, it, that, that it's profitable for you, the saint, that will give a good report, right? Uh, that it will be able to be well spoken of. So as a saint, we have someone that's going to give account for us. But Romans also tells us that everyone shall give an account for himself unto God. Whenever you start considering this, folks, this is quite uh, a real checks and balances in the government of God. You have your pastor, your leadership that will give an account for you. You're going to give an account for yourself and God has an account. And so whenever we think about standing before the Lord someday, is there, will there be a harmony between the three reports or will there be discrepancies? I'm just saying that there is a real checks and balances here uh, concerning concerning God and his order and his and his rule. And so nonetheless, obey and submit to to the ministry that that is a responsibility of ours and not so much even to them as it is unto the Lord. Because, again, all rulers, those that are in power would not have that power unless it was delegated to them by God. And so God has sanctioned that leader in your life. Uh, for reason and with good purpose. And so with that also in that obedience realm or, or, or vein, we have a responsibility as saints to uh, follow the spiritual teaching of God's word. Amen. That is conveyed by these people. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 and verse 7, remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of 
God, note what it says, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. That's tremendous. That puts really a lot of pressure on leaders, if you don't really realize it, because it's saying the people that are under your leadership should follow then your faith. Yes, your, your set of doctrines and beliefs, but your faith. Look now, whose faith follow, considering the end of their, that leader's conversation. We're not talking about the way they talk, although that could be included. Conversation there is their lifestyle. Consider the end of their lifestyle. Folks, we have people, there'll be people like Bishop that will, will, will go to the grave before many of us. And th- we can look through the whole scope of his life, all right, and consider the end of his life, how he lived, amen, whether or not we would deem and see that that was a good practice for us even to pattern ourselves after, amen, according to those that have even went on before us whose faith follow. They're speaking the word of God. They abided by that word of God. That's how that word of God played out in their life. Amen. You see the whole scope, how it's come to pass in the end. Amen. Is that something perhaps no doubt you would love to have replicated in your own life? Amen. And so if we, if we refuse to obey as saints, we refuse to submit ourselves to our leaders. The Bible tells us that that is unprofitable for us and it does in many regards bring some consequences amen to our own personal lives the bible says in romans chapter number two and verse number eight look at it now it says but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness ignination and wrath so it's kind of give us a list of those that are contentious do not obey the truth but obey righteousness what's coming for them indignation and wrath verse number nine though tells us tribulation and anguish all right continuing upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the jews first and also of the greek so it's kind of giving us a little uh report if you will uh consequences uh, of living life that's contentious not in obedience to the truth uh, and, and obey, and if you will, unrighteousness rather than righteousness. These things of tribulation and anguish and indignation and wrath are to be expected. The Bible also tells us in Ephesians chapter number 5 and verses number 6 and 7, it says, let no man deceive you with vain words or empty words, uh, predominantly words that are void of the truth. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God. Upon the children of disobedience, verse 7, be not ye therefore partakers with them. You want to separate yourself from those type of things. Amen. It is in your best interest personally and collectively for the church. Amen. And so we are asked, according to God's word, to willingly to submit ourselves to the offices of the ministry, to follow them, obey their teaching, uh, ultimately so that we might escape the wrath that is to come. And that is speaking of judgment. That is, think, that is speaking of things on the opposite side of the grave, the opposite side of the rapture of the church, all right? And so in this then, if the, the leadership is to correct and rebuke, then on the saint side, we must endure. And I, endure might not even be the right word that I'm looking for, but we must endure correction and reproof. We must be uh, malleable and pliable enough that we'll receive that right with the right spirit and so we must 
obey or be able to receive the chastening of the Lord with the right spirit. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, and I want to read a few verses of scripture here. Uh, God employs a chastening and sometimes it doesn't come to you directly, but it comes then through your leadership. All right. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, verse number five, I'm starting up here with a phrase. I hope you can follow me. My son, the Bible says, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him for whom the Lord loveth. He chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. That's nice. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if he be without chastisement, whereof all important, whereof all are partakers. I want to pause right there. <laughs> um, because sometimes we can get in our own minds feeling like, and I do underscore the fact feeling, feeling like we've made, been made a focal point of chastisement. Okay. Scripture tells us, Whereof all are partakers. At some time or another, we all have been corrected by the Lord. And that correction at times have come through the leaders in which we are submitted to. All right. And he says, he goes on and he says, whereof, let me start, go back a little bit. But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you're bastards, which basically means you're illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Look at the ultimate goal of chastisement. Or the ultimate goal of correction, reproof, and rebuke. So that we might be partakers of his holiness. We want that. We want to be partakers of that. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. Someone right now saying amen. <laughs> I don't know anybody that just, I mean, even as a child. I don't know anybody in the, in the natural world or, or, or spiritual world that says, you know what? Man, if, you, if, you, if we got a sign up list for rebuke, I want, tell me where to sign my name. No, absolutely. None of that is joyous. It is not comfortable. But just because something is uncomfortable doesn't mean it's not right. When it comes to chastening, there was a lot of uncomfortable times in my childhood. Amen. My mom and dad are smiling right now. But it was right. It was right. It was appropriate. It was necessary. It was essential. All right. And so it may not seem to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, there's what we're looking for. Afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness, of right living. Unto them which are exercised, <laughs> exercised thereby. And so it, all of that is needful. All of that is necessary. We see Simon Peter, you know, in scripture, he's rebuked by the Lord. The Lord takes him aside and he rebukes him. He says, you're not savoring the things that be of God. That's what he told him. He even called him a devil. Crying out loud. And so he received a rebuke of the Lord. James and John, they, they also received a rebuke of the Lord. Again, 
In part, that's proof that we are sons of God. Chastening is just as much as an expression of love as all the other things that we associate with love. And so uh, it is absolutely necessary and it's important. We, as the scripture tells us, we need to despise not the chastening of the Lord. If you, I'll say this for whatever purpose. If, if every time there comes a chastening from the Lord individually or through the leadership of the church, you got to pluck up and leave and go to another church, you're always going to be moving the whole life that you live. And so the sad aspect about that, if we consider in the form of vegetation, the more that you transplant something, it never has the ability to grow any strong roots. And so if you're constantly transplanting from one place to another, you never really have a root system that can fully support you because you've not stayed somewhere long enough to get a root system grounded enough to receive all the nutrients that you need to in order to be uh, a saint of the living God in the body of Christ. <clears throat> the Bible even tells us, John wrote also in the book of Revelation, he said, as many as I love, he said, I rebuke and chasten. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. All right. And so also on the side of the saint, I know that seemed a little heavy right there. On the side of the saint, a responsibility. It is their responsibility to know them that minister or labor among them. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 3, or verse chapter 5 and verse 12, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Know them that labor among you. And so, uh, yeah, a shepherd must, must watch over the flock, but the flock must know who is over them as a shepherd. In other words, it's good uh, to be familiar with that person's character and integrity. Absolutely. If you're, for instance, if you're voting somebody into your church to be your pastor, you better know them. That's going to be laboring among you. They, because the saints need to know that they're assured of the person that's disseminating spiritual things into their life, that they're going to be someone that's going to teach them and preach to them truth. That they're going to teach them and preach to them sound and good doctrine. They need to know uh, that the character of that individual, that when harm is coming, that that person will sound the alarm. You need to know them that labor among you. All right? And so it's important to do so. The Bible even admonishes us in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. It goes a little further. Beloved, believe not every spirit. But try or examine the spirits, whether they are God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. The, the number one thing on the sign at the coming of the Lord, talking about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and diverse places and all these things going on. You know what the number one sign is? He started with in Luke 21, take heed that you be not deceived. Take heed that you be not deceived. Yeah, they live in the hour that there were false Christs coming up and false prophets, but there will be false Christs up in our day. How do you think people's going to be able to accept an antichrist? So be not deceived. Know that person that is laboring among you. Uh, and again, what I, th this next portion here, responsibility of the saints, and again, it's weird and it feels odd as a pastor saying this uh, because, to the saints, but you need to esteem, honor, and respect the ministry. It's the word of the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 5, verses 17 through 19, let the elders 
that rule well. Remember, there's elders and deacons and, and bishops and presbyters. Let the rulers, okay, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. Again, just sharing here, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that, that treadeth out the corn. On a very simple basic surface looking at that in other words the ox receives of that which he labors in all right the ox receives of that which he labors in all right and the bible goes on and says in those verses and the labor is worthy of his reward against an elder receive not an accusation but before two or three witnesses all right see we're running again you, you guys can do just as wrong. That's right. We can, and we have. Leadership has. But it says don't receive an accusation like there be two or three witnesses. Let me tell you just personally why I believe somewhat that this is the case. Uh, we have already looked at in the study how the Bible tells us in James, be not many masters or teachers because the greater condemnation. Because of the role and responsibility, there are always seemingly arrows that are flying, whether founded or unfounded, toward leadership. All right. And since that's the case, if that was the case, if you considered every accusation that came, it would be overwhelming. And so that's reason two or three witnesses to bring a consensus for a sound accusation, something that may truly be founded. It says then for the sake of an, an elder or a ruler. And so we want to esteem them highly love. We want to show appreciation. The Bible says in first Thessalonians five and verse 12, uh, speaking about knowing them that labor among you that are over you and the Lord and you. verse 13. That's where I want to be. Sorry. Verse 13 and to esteem them very highly in love for their works sake. And so there should be a certain degree of, of respect, a certain degree of honor. Uh, listen, the, 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 the pastor that I grew up under, my father, yes, but prior to him, Brother Sizemore, was absolutely about the honor and the respect, amen, that should be there for ministry, whether it's a visiting minister or for uh, the offices of leadership within a, 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 a organization or a church. And I, I deeply, absolutely, biblically believe in those things. We need to do that. We got to be careful as saints concerning uh, propagating gossip. And slander or defamation of a minister. All right. Uh, for that matter, we also got to be careful with sympathizing with someone that does have a bitter spirit against leadership. You might not have said it, <laughs> but if you coax those who are. Just give a consideration. All right. And so, again, against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. And in all that, that is not to say this. I'm trying to bring balance to, to our lessons here today. That is not to say that a leader never fails, because they do. There are failure among, quote-unquote, God's anointed, his leadership, and his ministers. That is not a new phenomenon. It happens. Amen. 
Uh, and as a matter of fact, in, in to the day of social media and the world that we live in, uh, the reality and the news of that travels a whole lot faster than what it used to. And it's made public knowledge a whole lot easier than what it used to. And although it may seem common, and I believe to a certain degree it is, and it happens, let me tell you in part why that happens. Because I'm of total support that I believe the adversary has his crosshairs planted on leadership pastors and people in those rows and functions because he is not ignorant he knows much well of the scripture as as we do the bible says that if you smite the shepherd the sheep scatter and so with great purpose they are under the gun and the crosshairs of the adversary because they're not just getting a shepherd they're impacting then anybody that the shepherd leads And so, yes, they're going to be under the crosshairs. Uh, And this is just a a real life uh, illustration. But in World War II, they they were having some fighting on one of the Japanese islands there. And the Japanese were trained uh, to recognize and target the medics uh, that served in the American Marines and armies. They were trained to uh, recognize them and target them. Uh, the Americans wore what was known as a unit three pack. It had some of their medical aids that was on them. It set them aside a little different from any other warrior. And the Japanese were trained with a keen eye to recognize that unit three pack because they would know that that was a medic. And it was a strategy of war. They knew this because the medic's responsibility it was mostly a non-combatant, but he would go out where all the others were wounded and bleeding out here and there on the battlefield to repair them, right, to save their life. And so the Japanese knew if I could get the medic, I've not just gotten him, but every other person he's going to administer health and healing to. All right. For that matter, they even said sometimes they wouldn't even try to kill the medic as much as wound the medic. Because, listen, this is amazing. There was so much admiration of the other soldiers for the medic because they knew his job and responsibility of caring for them and protecting them whenever they were injured that they, the Japanese, thought if we'll just injure a medic, there'll be three or four other soldiers that will go to his aid. And now we got three and four other targets. And so there is, I'm telling you in this relationship of pastor and saints, there is this ebb and flow. Uh, or at least should be, according to the scripture, of relationship. And so, yes, we can fail. Throughout scripture, there were people who, who, who had fallen. Samson, he failed as a judge in certain regards. King Saul failed. David failed. King Solomon failed. All these people are individuals that failed. Judas, right? New Testament disciple failed. Amen. Yet that does not disclaim that in the moment that they were called, they were called. And they were anointed of God to a particular position of leadership. And the the story for some of these is repentance and restoration. And the story for some of them were total removal from their places of authority. But whenever all that happened, it was by the hand of God. It was by the direction of God. Amen. He calls again people into these positions and he'll remove them and set them aside in if necessary, when necessary as well. Amen. Hallelujah. And so the purpose of the ministry, back to Ephesians 4, and verses 13 and, and, and 14, I suppose, the perfecting or the equipping of the saints, the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Look at this. Till we all come in the unity, till we all come in the unity of the faith. 
of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or mature man, complete man, unto the measure. Here's, here's the stick. The, the, the st- to the, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, we're trying to come from ground zero to a place where we uh, emulate the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. Where, where, we, where we have truly been formed and created in his image in a spiritual aspect in way. And so the, the pastors and the evangelists and the teachers and, and, and the prophets, these people are helping perfect or mature the church, equipping the church, the saints of the living God. And then when that happens, the saints are better capable to fulfill their life of service in the church that they've been called to as well. The apostle Paul, whenever he instructed Timothy, uh, he instructed Timothy concerning the purpose of his ministry. And he told him, Timothy, that you might be a man of God that would be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so uh, Timothy was kind of like Paul's protege and he, uh, Paul was mentoring him and, and pouring into him so that he would be fully furnished for the work that he had to do. And as leaders in the church, we try to thoroughly furnish those that are under our care for the work that you have to do because again everybody has a place in the body everybody has a job description whether it's written or not in the body a gift or something that they contribute to the body all right and so we do the teaching the training the rebuking the exhorting all those things that we have talked about for the purpose of a productive ministry of the saints within the church ultimately hopefully that there will be edification that as each contributes what they have and a subjection to God and obedient to the word of God, that they can edify or build up the body of Christ, that it would increase consistently. Amen? Amen. And, and not only just as in maturity, it wouldn't hurt also as in numerically. Amen. That there would be this building up the Bible, the Amplified Version, I don't know if the guy said that we can do this nowadays, so they, they're putting thumbs up back there. So the Amplified Version of Ephesians 4 and 12 reads like this. Look at it now. The Bible says his intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people. Look at that. That they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ body the church what a grand responsibility what what a grand flow of leadership and saint and then the cycle and back around to the whole overall benefit of the church we need the government that god has stated in his word for the full success of what he has planned for his church the apostle paul complimented one uh, this is maybe not a well-known verse i remember whenever we first started out evangelizing there's some evangel uh, paul mcgee evangelism business card somewhere with uh, this little phrase in it on 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 the thing that on on the card but paul complimented the house of stephanus uh which was a notable saint in the country and this is what the scriptures spoke of that they had addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints that's the way the scripture relates it they addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints and so somewhere there's some card floating out there probably with uh, my name on it that has that scripture bless god the evangelist mcgee has addicted himself to the 
ministry of the saints. So nonetheless, but there, there should be some type of uh, care, comfort, uh, idea, concept uh, that we are persuaded and urged for the, 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 the well, the well, the benefit, uh, the well-being of the saints. And so the ministry equips the saints. The saints then, they also addict themselves, if you will, to the building up and the edification along with their leadership of the body of Christ. And as a result, the kingdom of God totally and thoroughly is benefited by it. The Bible speaking about each of us as members in this one body, serving in our, our capacity, being fitly framed, fitly joined together, it tells us that, that each maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself. Because here's the thing. If you are part of the body and what you do benefits the body, it in turn benefits you because you're a part of it. If you help build up the body, it in turn, it might be an indirect route, but it in turn benefits you because that's the body that you're a part of. Amen. And so uh, this morning, I'll come to a close after three weeks, all right, on this subject matter, uh, the five-fold ministry, the leadership, the pastor, God has ordained these to work together. God has ordained these in his church to help move his church forward. And whenever there is that working together, that synergy between all involved, uh, in my opinion, the church then is one of the most powerful uh, entities on the face of the planet. Whenever she is in harmony with one another and there is that submission and there is that authority that is be, being used appropriately from God and we're, we're voicing the voice of God to those that are under our care and all of those things are being respected, amen, there is that constant building up, that constant, if you will, uh, ebb and flow of benefit that happens within uh, the organism of the church. I want brother and sister Mason to come this morning. We'll close with a song, amen, here today. We'll close with a song here today. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for the body of Christ? Aren't you glad for uh, people that the Lord has, has placed into your life? Again, ultimately, uh, with you in mind, with you in mind, uh, not, not to be some uh, dictator or some tyrant or anything like that, uh, but that has a heart of a shepherd, the eye of a shepherd, the ear that is attuned to the voice of, of heaven we need that today we need to be respectful as we grow and the things of the lord be respectful of those that god has placed in our care not take voices of of correction as though that they just have an axe to grind with you personally but maybe heaven has a little uh corrective course for us that's going to help us you know afterward amen it's going to be joyous for us afterward as we grow into the stature of christ and grow into the holiness amen of the lord i'm going to pray right now that the lord would always keep our hearts and our lives pliable that he'd, he would always keep us teachable amen uh, regardless even of the capacities that uh, we find ourselves in as an individual alone me personally I, I i ask god to always help keep me teachable uh, to never reach a spot where i believe like i can't be taught that somebody else can't pour something into my life all right. And so I want to be I want to be malleable and pliable in that way. Father, I come to you today. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, for the divine government, Lord, that you have, Lord Jesus, brought to us through your word. God, you you have a plan. You have a strategy. You you have, Lord God, things set in order that is blessable by you whenever it's stationed in the place. And it's working one with the other as it should be. 
Lord, we want to find ourselves to come into the unity of the faith, as the scripture says. Let there be, Lord, that collective, Lord, upholding each other and that collective, uh, Lord, supporting one another, but also, if need be, giving, Lord, gentle, Lord, directions of correction for each other, Lord, so that there can be this building up of the body, the building up of the church, so it can be, Lord, the entity that you want it to be in these last days. God, for there are people that are looking to the church today and they need to find her in such a way that they can see some mode Lord of, of, of decency and orderness God that takes place even within her ranks God that they'll see that, that, that benefits the overall condition of the body of Christ and the body of the church I pray oh Lord today make us Lord where we're pliable and thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.